everyone, welcome to our weekly episode of Limitless Podcast, a place where we bring together the global leaders in sales and marketing. My name is Nikhil and I'm the host of Limitless Podcast. Today, we bring in our very first guest. Today, we have Jason Sugars uh, with us. Jason is currently the Senior Director of Global Partnerships at uh, Blue Shift. He does a bunch of consulting projects too. One such project was with Albertsons where he was the senior product manager. He also was the senior director of international partnerships at Pubmatic, uh, a role which he played for close to about three years. And he's also worked with Google on Google compliance. A little note fact about uh, Jason is that he was the co-founder of Octavia Wellness as well. So Jason, welcome to Limitless Podcast. Thank you, Nikhil. It's great to be here. Yeah, it, this is a very long uh, resume and clearly you are, uh, you know, the gold standard when it comes to, uh, you know, managing and scaling partnerships. So uh, tell us a little bit more about Blue Shift and, uh, you know, what is Blue Shift and, you know, what is your role at Blue Shift? Yeah, sure thing. So Blue Shift is a customer data platform mm-hmm. um, and we're in the marketing automation space. So what we do is We work with customers first party data to unify that data into a 360 view of one customer. Mm -hmm. And then more importantly, we help our customers activate against that data. So it's a cross channel marketing automation play. So we allow customers to build um, journeys, to build segments and then push the journeys to create um, whatever touch points they want across, you know, whatever channel they want. I think that, that's probably the most important part for us and the part that impacts my job the most is, you know, uh, enabling customers to send a message via SMS, via email, across their paid media, whatever channel they want, that's really what we're enabling them to do. And so that's, that's where my role comes in. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, you know, how important is building partnerships and at what stage of a company? do you think, uh, you know, you should uh, focus on building, uh, you know, strategic partnerships? Yeah, I think um, previously, I think, you know, if you go back some years, it was possible for companies to survive on their own and potentially the strength of their product or their platform. And I think nowadays what we've seen in the market is whether your product is strong or not, or your platform is the best solution, having alliances, having integrations, and having you know that web and that ecosystem of partnerships is invaluable and crucial. So I really I encourage, um, frankly, any company when they're starting out to be thinking very you know closely about how to build that web, what that looks like, and maybe it's not the first hire, maybe it's not the tenth, but quickly as you're gaining market share, it's really important to be able to bring on someone who can manage that role and start building out that web, no matter how, you know, what your, your focus is. I understand. I understand. So, uh, as we see it at uh, hippo video as well, we see, uh, you know, a, your partnerships as a way to, uh, you know, enable discovery of, uh, you know, our platform, our solutions and, you know, our, uh, values that, uh, you know, our platform uh, provides. Now, an interesting thing that you mentioned was you have alliances, integrations. So what are the different types of uh, partnerships? If you could actually run our business through that, that, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So in my head, I have what I call the three pillars of partnerships. And it's number one, it's technology partnerships. So it's those those partners, those, you know, friends you're, you're integrating with, potentially they're 
directly plugging into your platform or you're plugging into their platform. So that's, that's one. Uh, two, I think about um, sort of the agency or the reseller sort of value added services partners. So those are, those are the partnerships where they're going to effectively be an ambassador or be a, a, a you know, expansion mode for your part, for your product and for yeah. your, your, your company. And in some cases they may even be selling your, your product. Uh, they may be, you know, bringing referrals to the table, whatever that looks like. So that's the second pillar. I think the third pillar is, is often overlooked and that's, that's really sort of the ecosystem or what I call the friendlies having, having someone in the, the market that maybe you don't integrate with them. Maybe they're not reselling or representing your, your product, but you're friendly with them and you're speaking to the same clients and you're, you maybe have a different, you know, uh, value add and value prop to the market, but you're close. I think that really relationships, partnerships is a relationships business. Exactly. And it's very, very important to focus on that. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, when you look at, you know, these three pillars that you mentioned, uh, you know, the tech, the ISVs, the resellers and the friendlies, you know, the friendly partnerships that you have. So which one do you most focus on? Does it depend on the stage of the company or uh, does it, uh, you know, depend on the uh, GTM that, you know, the demand gen has uh, clearly outlined? How do you, uh, you know, take up that particular responsibility? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And honestly, I think it depends on what your particular focus is or what's working for you at the company. Got so for Blue Shift, one of the things that is, is absolutely crucial to our, our value prop, absolutely crucial to our go-to-market is really having those you know, integrations with those channels that our clients are going to want to push their messaging out to. So that's really been my focus since I've started is deepening those integrations, expanding those integrations, you Got know, in the process of building out an app store, just having that, that, you know, that network, that network effect of you know, being able to help our clients uh, push out. But, you know, depending on your customer, depending on your client your, or your, your product, it may be different for you. I mean, you may find that it's your, your platform does better if it's being resold or there's right. an agency involved, but that's, that's not been our focus. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, because you've worked, uh, you know, and consulted with, uh, many different companies on partnerships and scaled partnerships. So, uh, you know, how do you find the right partnerships? How do you find the right opportunities? And is there a framework that you go through? Yeah, I think for me, the framework has been, um, especially when you're coming into a role, is you start to you look and see kind of what's there already. I mean, it's I'm not someone who believes that reinventing the wheel is always the best idea. In fact, I think the wheel works for a reason, and everyone has Got one. It. So, you know, when I when I started at Blue Shift, I I kind of did a level setting exercise where I looked at relationships we had in place already, the integrations we had in place already, and, and then started there. And, and and in many cases, if you haven't had a dedicated partnerships person looking after you know, those relationships, you do need to go back and, you know, give them some love and kind of reignite the relationship. Um, and yeah. so that's, that's sort of the, one of the first steps I would take. Awesome. <clears throat> so do you have a, a framework uh, that you would actually, uh, you know, tell your team uh, uh, as you know, okay, these are the parameters that you look for when you're expanding into, you know, different geographies and when you're searching for certain, let us say tech partners, so uh, let us say for resellers or for tech, do you have different frameworks? Well, obviously you would have different frameworks, but would you, uh, can you actually, uh, you know, run our audience through what, you know, those particular criteria could be? That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, 
frameworks are a great place to start, but often, you know, depending on sort of the maturity of the market or the maturity of the platform, you know, you really have to take things where they stand. Um, so for example, when I was running partnerships with Pubmatic, we had a very, very mature product, a very mature client base in the US. But as I opened up business in Europe and in, in Australia and some of these other markets, it required a different approach. So, you know, we were in those markets, a new product, we were un, not well known, the business models not well known. And so my role shifted from, you know, um, building technology integrations to frankly, just building alliances, being an evangelist in market and saying, hey, here's, here's who we are, here's what Pubmatic does and says, and, and kind of really educating the market. So I think, you know, that framework is gonna shift and, and really, you know, in my, my opinion is that a good partner manager, a good partnerships person is flexible and understands exactly what's needed by market, by platform, by product, and is able to kind of shift as, as things happen. Now, I imagine at a bigger company where it's a more, there's a more sort of rigorous or kind of formed, already formed way of approaching, you know, that's, that's, you just, you, you kind of do what's already, the, the, the roadmap that's been set down. Yes. Um, I, t I tend to stick to startups and, I enjoy the startup life because it allows for flexibility of, of building a business. Okay. But yeah, I think um, that's that's sort of the, the way I would think about it. Got it. So uh, the reason why I was asking that is because this would lead into my next question. So uh, globally, the stats say that close to about 50% of strategic alliances, they actually fail. All right. Mm. So as, as I see it, uh, you know, you can uh, look at partnerships as another acquisition channel, but it has its own challenges. So you need to have, uh, you know, an acquisition engine, a discovery and acquisition engine. And after that, you have to work on, you know, making that alliance a success. So how do you actually do that? So first thing we, we just spoke about, uh, you know, uh, acquiring new partners. Now, how do you take these partners to success? How do you make them successful to achieve your targets as well? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that 50% number. I, I feel like it's probably lower. I think okay. that having strategic alliances is a very difficult thing because you're essentially taking a sales team and a company that have a specific mandate okay. and you're taking another sales team and a company and a mandate and, and hoping that they're in alignment to want to do business together. And, you know, from what I've seen, that those are six, eight, nine months, a year long projects. I mean, I've got to align the sales team on my side to want to do work for another company that they, they might not get paid for. And so I think that's, you know, strategic alliances, I, my, my feeling is they really work best when there's a, I'm scratching your back, you're scratching my back. There's a one plus one equals three sort of thing happening. And exactly. you know, I know that if I integrate with this company, yeah. my clients will be happy this company I'm integrating with will be happy because they're getting business and then it's we're all kind of in this together. And so, you know, one of the things we're doing now at Blue Shift is we're building out what we're calling, you know, we're still working on the messaging around it. But we're building out this, like, what's the perfect MarTech stack look like? And we have some ideas around that. And I think that's, you know, you're going to see a lot of that from Blue Shift in 2020, this, this way of looking at the market, because as I'm sure you're aware, uh, if you're out there in the marketing tech space, there is a lot of noise. Um, acronyms are flying fast and furiously. Yeah. It's very difficult to say, well, what is a CDI versus a CDP versus a who knows, you know? And if I'm in the buying seats and if I'm yeah. trying to go and find a right marketing tech stack, it's a difficult place to be. And so yeah. you need to be, you need to educate your clients and kind of lead them and show them, here's what this means. Here's how it looks and make it simple. I mean, it has to be simple. 
exactly so as i uh, understand it again so it has to be looked at as you know every other sales process is looked at so you have the sdrs uh, and the as who actually uh, look for opportunities and close them and after that the account after closing the account is actually transferred to an account manager who actually translates into a customer success manager so is yeah. this the same way you look at partnerships as well do you also have a uh, so, uh, you know, have these goals separated as to how many partners you acquire, and then it goes to a partnership manager where his goal is to, you know, make the partner successful and in turn be successful as well. Yeah, it's 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 a good question. We're still early days at Blue Shift, and so right now, um, so I sit in the marketing or and report to the CMO of Blue Shift, the C, the Chief yeah. Growth Officer, and my kind of the things that I'm gold on and focused on is bringing referrals, bringing in new um, potential clients through the relationships I'm building. So that's one half of my job. I think the other half of my job is going out and through our you know where our existing client base says, hey, I want to have an integration with co company X, is going and building out that that relationship. That's that tends to be a little bit easier, right? Because if you if you're able to go to a partner and say, hey, I have a client that wants to buy your product, that's that's an easy conversation to have. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're helping them be successful and your team's being successful. But exactly. those are typically two things I'm focused on. Awesome. So uh, now that you mentioned that you're actually reporting to your CMO. Uh, so how do uh, how does how do the CMOs how can the CMOs actually leverage partnerships? So is is there a way that this uh, awesome partner network can be uh, leveraged by CMOs and you know uh, for their go to market or for product marketing or for you know let us say uh, a category creation? You know that is the new buzzword in uh, you know yeah. the valley. So in that case, how can these partnerships actually help the CMO? Yeah, I mean, I tend to push back on the category creation thing because mm -hmm. it almost starts to feel like, again, if I'm in the buying seat at a, at a company, if I were at Albertsons and I'm trying to make a decision on, you know, what MarTech uh, product to buy, mm -hmm. having another sort of story, another narrative that's out there, it can be very confusing. So I think, um, you know, with, with our particular org and, and, you know, having the CMO leverage, you know, what I'm doing, it, in a sense, it is... It is taking those relationships I've built, whether they're with agencies, resellers, uh, whether they're with technology partnerships, whether they're friendlies I mentioned, hmm. and really kind of building out our story, you know, yeah. so that if I, I'm partnered with MParticle or MetaRouter or some of these other companies, they know who we are. They know what we do. If I'm partnered with an ESP like Mailgun or SparkPost, they know exactly what our what the, the goods and the bads of our platform are, and they're able to then tell that story to their customers. And so, in a sense, it is. I I tend to think of partnerships very purely as a marketing play. I know some organizations uh, partnerships sits more under the sales org. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, that's definitely a, one way to do it. But I feel like, uh, for me at least. The vision of partnerships is being the voice of the company and talking about how our product works well with others and kind of telling that story again and again and again and again in the marketplace. Got it. Exactly. So uh, very rightly said, sometimes if there are too many narratives in the uh, marketplace itself, uh, the end user may get confused and the new story may not uh, resonate. So given your uh, you know, extensive experience in building and scaling partnerships, can you walk through uh, you know, uh, some examples where uh, you know, this has worked really well? So you were able to get uh, you know, excellent partners and worked well, worked 
what worked well for the uh, the platform and you know a few examples where this did not work like a partner you brought in and that did not work so we just want to know uh, you know we want to understand what is good what is bad yeah no i think um it's a good question. And, you know, I, I personally I tend to learn a lot more from the mistakes or the things that don't go well uh, than the things that do. Um, you know, I think one of the things I learned firsthand with expanding Pubmatic's partnership, um, you know, network in, in the Europe and, and the rest of the world was I had to realize that the market was a couple years, be like the European market was a couple years behind the US market. And so, all the things that I had learned, all the ways we had spoke about our product and the acronyms we use were completely foreign or oh. less well known. Mm -hmm. And so I think having to be able to stop and, and shift gears and move into that, um, you know, that, that education mode, that evangelist role was, yeah. was, was, was crucial. But I, I definitely spent, you know, a good six months, you know, to nine months, yeah. uh, frankly, spinning my wheels. Um, you yeah. know, I, I would go in and I would talk to some of these partners that I wanted to build a relationship with and they, it just flew over their heads. They, they didn't understand why they would need a company like ours. What was the value we were bringing? They didn't have that in their market. It made no sense. Sure. It was, it was maybe a useful platform in the U S market, but it was not the case in the UK in Germany and Italy, you know, and, and I had this essentially again, shift gears. But so when I think about that time, that initial phase, that is what I would think of you know, it was less of a partnership didn't work out. It was more of a re-envisioning and reimagining of how partnership should be. Yeah. Um, you know, I think right now, you know, Blue Shift, we've, we've managed to, since we have a heavy focus on technology partnerships and integrations, that has been, I think, really a, a success story. Um, you know, we really focus on bringing technology integrations to our customers that make sense. Um, one of the channels that we focused on recently has been paid media. So having integrations with companies like Critio, Facebook, Google, obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Verizon, whatever those paid media channels are, that's a new thing for our, our client base because they're wanting to build a segment and extend it out, um, extend their reach. But unless there's an integration, unless there's a platform they can plug into, they can't do it. So I've seen that building those relationships quickly and, and tightly has led to a lot of success. And I think we'll continue to do so in 2020. Got it. Yeah, very rightly said. And, you know, sometimes other markets are behind, uh, you know, where you're actually uh, working. And, uh, you know, as I see it, uh, integrations actually play a very crucial role in provide, providing those valuable inputs back to marketing. So, so yeah. that they actually focus on something that is important for that particular geo as well. So, uh, uh, Jason, before we uh, let you go, I mean, the final question, uh, you know, what are the goals for 2020 for Blue Shift? And, uh, you know, what is your goal uh, for 2020? That's a great question. Um, I, I'm personally still trying to work on some of my own personal goals. Um, I believe it's really important to try and learn something new every year. And so I'm, uh, you know, personally, I'm thinking about learning the ukulele or becoming a drone pilot. So that's kind of my personal stuff. Um, I think for, for Blue Shift and partnerships, my focus really this year is going to be on that paid media sector. Um, okay. There's a lot of, I think in our particular small niche of MarTech, there's this really, there's this need, there's an unmet need for marketers to be able to, to take segments, to take journeys of their first party data yeah. and sync it with it, whatever paid media channel exists, whether that's Quora, Snap, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever is out there. 
that's, that's incredibly valuable. And I think some of that pressure is coming from things like the CCPA, you know, the new privacy rules in California. Exactly. Uh, obviously, some of the stuff that's already existing in, in Europe. And, and so really, you know, giving, uh, having a solution ready for, um, you know, for our clients is going to be invaluable. And that's, that's going to be my focus, like 100% this year. Awesome, awesome. Great goals there. Uh, Jason, thanks a lot for, uh, you know, joining us on this amazing episode. The uh, framework, the three pillars that you mentioned were incredible, very insightful. And we wish you a lot of luck and, you know, hope to, you know, listen to some tunes that you, you know, hash out on your ukulele. <laughs> thanks so much, Nicholas. Great, great talking with you and I appreciate the questions and uh, have a great, great 2020. Yeah, you too, and uh, our very best to you and Blue Shift as well. Thanks a lot. Cheers, thanks. Jason, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned to our weekly upcoming episodes with more sales and marketing leaders from around the globe. We are on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Just type Limitless Podcast and we'll show up. And yes, if you're there, don't forget to subscribe. Until next week. Bye-bye.